Hello and welcome to The Donfather, a family podcast about the Essendon Football Club. And if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, people. You did not listen to me. You just had to have patience with Peter Wright. You just needed to wait and be patient and he was going to come good. You guys, you didn't even give him a chance. You were off the bandwagon before it even started rolling. But me, I stuck fat and we were rewarded this weekend with a great Anzac Day win and a great Anzac Day performance. Oh, Lordy. Well, for Peter, it was actually... I mean, we're straight into footy talk, which I thought we said we weren't doing. But anyway, um... Peter, it's a footy podcast, Matty. Yes. Oh, well, you know, we want to talk a bit of smack and maybe hear about your Sunday. And, uh, anyway. Yeah, I agree Petey. with Matty. Like, can we just, like, chill out with the footy talk? Just for five seconds. Well, I, I just want to c- compare and contrast the... The best, Peter, I mean, we'll probably get into it later, but the best Peter Wright has to offer versus his worst is chalk and cheese. He <laughs> he could be so much or could have been so much um, over his career. But in that first half, he was shit. He was he woeful. Was shit. Um, I was actually watching. Um, I'm, watch, I'm watching the replay right now as we record. There was a couple of. To be fair, there was a couple of efforts in the first quarter that he put the body on. He got a spoil in that actually created some good pressure in the forward line. But geez, he he, he really early on he was quite woeful. Yeah, yeah, a few far handballs along the ground and uh, stuff like that. But maybe we're being overly critical of uh, two litre meter sheeter Peter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, I'm very happy with him in the second half. Um, and but- as someone that was sitting next to Nick at the game, I can confirm he said, if Peter gets his goal, I will lay off him for two weeks. He will not be the the show's whipping boy for two weeks. So you can we, can we be very clear on which goal that was? Um, the one in the fourth quarter. He actually kicked two in the first, fourth quarter. Well, I don't know. Well, yeah, exactly. The one in the fourth quarter. It, it was the one from the boundary line. Uh, very, oh, no, he didn't kick two in the first fourth quarter. He only kicked one in the fourth quarter. But, the, yeah, specifically, the one from the boundary line about 20 metres out or 30 metres out, whatever it was. That was an elite kick at goal, wasn't it? It wasn't just a goal. It was an absolute sausage. <laughs> it was, a Jimmy Brayshaw's... Sausage, get around him. <laughs> that was a, that was a, yeah. You don't you only kick them at training. You don't kick them too often. So, and that that um, was really that was the goal that that killed the game because you saw from that moment, even though they kicked another goal or two later, Collingwood gave up at that point. They just dropped their heads and all the energy went out of the game from them. Well, I mean, if you yeah. need a Peter's kick in the goal, it doesn't say much, does it? According to yeah. Anyway. I, I, I mean, you, you know, and there's no better feeling, I reckon, as an Essendon fan, apart from maybe winning a final. Not that I've ever experienced. Well, not I have in, experienced not that, but not, not in my that. memory. Um, but is there much a much better feeling during the home and away season? Um, to I, I actually reckon it was the Darcy goal that was the real dagger for the uh, Collingwood faithful. But there was no better feeling seeing uh, Peter slot one. Stringer slot one, Darcy slot one, and you just look over the Magpie faithful where they're all sitting, the black and white army, 
And slowly, slowly, they start dripping out. They start you, and leaving. You see him. He sinks it and they start getting up out of their seats and out of they go. And oh, you know, I've missed that. Do you know what my favourite is? When we start hanging shit on them with the, the Essendon chant that sounds like their Collingwood one. Oh, that just makes... Because when you hear that Collingwood chant, it, it's normally on Anzac Day when you're six goals down and you've had a... a it's raining and it's been a terrible day. And to be able to just give them an earful chanting Essendon is so great. It was great. And, and you know, I just love that. I mean, we're, I was sitting in general admin. Uh, so just see him start standing up, walking down. The, I don't reckon the game was even over. Nah. If my memory serves me right. Like, no, nah, it was only four goals with like about 10 minutes to go. It was, yeah, it was definitely early oh. in the last quarter when you were like turning around, waving bye to all the supporters leaving. <laughs> I was sitting at the front of the members, uh, the MCC members. Oh, gee, there's a lot of there's a lot of chocks in in a lot of chads, a lot of a lot of heads in the MCC members. I tell you what. Anyway, that's a story for another Take day. Take it easy, mate. I'm probably one of them. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, well, we're all private school kids, so. Um, yeah, but but we're not those <laughs> private school kids. You know what I mean? Anyway, speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. <laughs> anyway. Um, gee, I was sitting right at the front in the front row and geez, it was nice to turn around and wave them all out of the MCC. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, like I said, there's just no better feeling than seeing Colin fans get up. They've just conceded defeat. Anzac Day. Oh, <laughs> geez, it, was, it was beautiful, wasn't it? That's oh, it was amazing. Magnificent. So good. So uh, good. Oh, what yeah, a time. No. And that, the only way that that could get any better would, to, would be to back up with a win against Carlton this weekend. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a little while. Let's. Uh, um, I think, uh, spoiler alert, um, I think the next four weeks is really is a really important period for the development of our football club. But we'll get to that after the break. Um, but geez, how good's Darcy Parish? Superstar. Talk about bringing your own footy. Um, you know, I was even you know in the in the lead up to this show, I was sort of. You know, like thinking like, you know, DP3, DP3. <laughs> That's a guy who, he brought his own foot. I, I, look, and, and I'm sure we'll get into this a bit later as well when we, you know, talk about our likes and all that sort of stuff. But that is a guy who, you know, like so often, and I think we were saying this after the game when I saw the train station, like we think about our starting midfield, we throw names like Shield, Merritt, McGrath, Caldwell, uh, it, when he, you know, obviously when they're all healthy, and Parish always, you know, he just always gets pushed to the side. Mm. Um, he should no longer ever be pushed to the side. He, um, he, he is our. He now with that game stands next to Merritt as our best midfielder. Like to have an option like that that can work on the inside, collect his own footy. Um, Use it well on the outside. He he essentially has doubled the A grade quality in our midfield with that performance. Yeah, and I mean the challenge for him now is do it consistently and mm. and, and do it. Um, I mean you're not going to have 42 every week and a couple of snags, but um, to get up there and the, you know the, just the efficiency uh, as well and and how involved he was in it. You know he got the ball. We we, we almost always looked to score when he had the ball, which is. Probably more important, I think, than any amount of disposal. You can get thirty mm. disposals and, and and not do much with them. Mm. But I, I, yeah, that was really impressive, and I, I think it's just him. I, I was listening to SEN 
Um, and they were, they were discussing, and he's probably always been that nice kid on the block, you know, happy to play forward just because wants to see the team win, and, and he's just a nice kid and won't probably want to ruffle any feathers. But without before, he, he can no longer be, um, you know, sort of a, a mid that push, uh, sorry, a forward that pushes into the mid because um, he's not quite there. He he's arrived, and, and the company's put himself in in Dane Swan. Um, he's, he's, like, the, the capability of, of the man is is. A great uh, in terms of how capable he is, how consistent he'll be. That's that's a question he's got to answer. But that, that's, that's really impressive stuff. And um, well, no longer is, can he just be the yeah not 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 in our best midfield conversation. He, he absolutely is, and and part of our drafting and recruiting was developing depth along the midfield so that you can have multiple rotations go through there and not have a drop in quality. I think the difference with Darcy Parrish, though, is he's the only one of our midfielders that consistently hits the scoreboard. He And he's a really good shot for goal. And I can see how and why they pushed him forward. Um, and I have no qualms with him resting in the forward line. But sh- mm. for sure, you absolutely want 70-plus percent of his time on the ground to be in the midfield. And I don't think that was ever in question. But I think the... The problem was that he needed to get game time and be on the ground in terms of his development, but probably wasn't quite ready to run out a full game in the midfield. Oh, yeah, potentially. I mean, he did speak about, you know, sort of worked on his engine um, over the preseason. But I, I think the knock on him is that he doesn't really have an area of strength, per se. Like, he's just very good at everything. Mm. Um and I don't want to. He's not in the, the same class as um, Sir James Hurd, mm. but it's similar in that he can just sort of do a little bit of everything. I mean, James is probably you go forward, back, mid. Um, he's probably more, you know, that mid. But he, you know, he's not overly fast, but he's not necessarily slow. He's a good. He's a very good kick without being absolutely elite. Mm. Um, wins it on the inside. As we spoke about, can use it on the outside. He's strong enough without being. You know, like a Jake Stringer, mm. that sort of strength. Well, maybe, so he does a little bit of everything very good um, without excelling in one area. You know, you think about McGrath, um, pace, explosiveness, shield, probably in the same merit, the same um, with, with, a, with a damaging left foot as well. Whereas, yeah, Paris just does a little bit of everything very well. Um, without mm. absolutely excelling. And, well, maybe that sorry, is, Laura, did, I was going to say maybe that is his strength, though, just being, you know, good at a lot of different things, which makes him very versatile um, and makes him a good option when they need someone to step up. Oh, well, t- yeah, totally. Sorry, go, Nick. Well, it's kind of a bit like how I used to describe, and this is a soccer analogy, I used to describe Mark Milligan when he was playing for victory in that he he didn't have any special weapons, but he was just a an 8 out of 10 in all facets of the game, and you put that together and you end up with a really complete good player who doesn't have any particular, doesn't have a, a good boot, isn't particularly fast, isn't, you know, doesn't have any particular weapons, but just is a good all-round footballer. And that's what I think Darcy Parrish mm. was drafted as and is certainly taking to the next level. And certainly this year, he's had, he's had two ripper best on grounds, um, and he's been consistent in his performances in other games without being elite in the consistency, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was just making the point, I think that's what's probably maybe pushed him to the side a little bit in the past is that 
he's sort of been that sportsman without being an athlete sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm sure he's, you know, a phenomenal athlete in comparison to the, the modern person. But um, the athleticism side of things isn't, um, like I said, he's not overly strong or fast or powerful, et cetera. It's, it's just he's good at playing the sport. Um, well, we, we saw with Job the year that he really allowed his fitness to get to the truly elite level, which I was listening to an interview with Darcy um, yesterday. Um, but the year that Job allowed his fitness to really jump up to the next level was sort of 2011. He came back super, super fit um, and he was able to get to more contests and not be winded at each contest, able to impact more contests, get to more ball. Um, and, you know, we all know what happened in 2012 with him winning the Brownlow medal. But it, it's, it seems like as a 23-year-old, Darcy Paris is, is kind of about to head into the prime of his career, that 24, 25, 26 as a midfielder. And I think his trajectory is certainly going in the right direction. And if he keeps working on that engine and making sure that he can get to contests and be be comfortable at contests, I think we'll continue to see a rapid rise. Look, we may never see another game like he played on Sunday. We might never see him get another 42 possession, two goal, absolute destroyation. They're the kind of games that you, you know, you have once in a career. But, um, you know, if he can get consistently around the 30 mark, kick a goal, I think we'll have a very good player on our hands. Hmm, absolutely, yeah. definitely. I think the uh, the Collingwood midfield is still uh, washing the shampoo out of their hair after they got an absolute bath. <laughs> Well, well, I was actually um, I was reading the Essendon injury list today because they update them on Tuesday, and right down the bottom they put um Darcy Parish, um, but they listed it as leather poisoning. So <laughs> I don't know how many weeks he's going to miss, but there's a test, so we'll see how he goes on Thursday. Yeah, well, like I said, first bloke ever to play a game with his own football. Mm. It, it was um, no, it was it was phenomenal to watch. But yeah. uh, I, I reckon. We got a break. We'll review the full game after this, and uh, and look forward to the Azuri, the Blues. Before the break, we had a, a nice little chat about our first impressions of the uh, of the game on Sunday. Uh, how about we we shoot around the room and have a chat about our likes and our dislikes? Laura, what do you reckon? Um, well, obviously, we were just chatting about Darcy Parish, um, so he's a clear, obvious like. But I'm going to go with um, Anthony McDonald Tippin Woody. What a superstar he is! He is, you know, like he can just have these blinder games, kick, what did he kick, five goals? Um, mm. Just he's, he's exciting. Um, I just love Anzac Day in general. Like I think um, Darcy Parrish is a good um, example of this where often you'll just get somebody come out of what almost seems like nowhere and just have like an amazing day and it almost seems to be like the making. So I think just Anzac Day in general um, brings the performances. Mm, well, one of my likes is a little bit different, but in a, in a similar vein in that I think this was perhaps 
as much as Jaden Laverde has really impressed us with a couple of glimpses in the forward line, like I'm thinking of that round 22 game against Port Adelaide a couple of years ago where he just destroyed Port Adelaide in the first quarter. Um, I really think this was probably the most mature, uh, measured performance that we've seen from Jaden Laverde, certainly since he's become a defender. But he, he actually played a complete game. He... He performed well throughout the first quarter. And then once Francis went down and he got given more responsibility, he really didn't shy away from it and, and had a great all-round performance, capped it off with a goal. Really, I think he's really feeling comfortable in the back line now. And I think, you know, credit to whoever decided that he needed to work on some defensive craft and become a defender because I think we may have, like Ambrose a couple of years ago, found um, another little lockdown defender with um perhaps with a little bit more explosiveness if not more uh endurance than ambrose yeah in more endurance than ambrose oh in terms of injuries and, and stuff like that no 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 in ter- he, he's a bit more explosive than ambrose is but ambrose is, is a running machine oh running. sorry yeah sorry um yeah I, I i think with lav he didn't go and play on a collingwood dud either he was you know he had to step up to the plate and play on darcy moore and full time, you know, he actually pushed Darcy Moore under the footy couple. And now yeah, maybe the delivery from Collingwood wasn't great, but he actually outplayed Darcy Moore for most mm. of the game, or, or my check, or whoever he was, just was in the right spot. Um, it was fair, and then you know, I was able to win it. Yeah, like you said, at ground level, and and you know, break one or two tackles and get us going the other way. So yeah, he's an absolute uh, revelation there at halfback, which brings me in to one of my likes. And I've been on this guy for since the start. There was a bit of doubt about him, but I've always backed him in. Wait, it's too many to is... there, isn't it? No, no, <laughs> but it is uh, uh, rhymes with a, <laughs> a an expletive uh, word. Uh, truck. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say truck, but I just yeah. didn't know where you were going. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, as many times, you know, uh, this year we've we've seen, um, I'd say, some really some inexperienced performances, or just not the performances we want to see. Um, six games in now, I think we are starting to see that um, we are gaining a style that you know we can go fast when we need to, but we can also play a bit slower and and chip it around a bit and hold possession when we need to. Um, you know, uh, getting a nice blend between between sorry a, a attack and defence. De- obviously, defending very well, um, but then also not. Uh, I wouldn't say we have the most prolific forward line in the comp, um, but still, to, you know, to have Hooker, who's is he fourth in the Coleman, or you know, he's up there in the Coleman, um, and also Tipper, who I think out of all the small forwards in the comp has uh, the highest goal tally at the moment sitting about 11th or something. So um, an indication that you know, like you, normally your defense is pretty good um, based on the way you're able to stop the ball movement of the other team, which we've obviously been able to do. But also our forward line's been uh, prolific enough um, that it shows that our ball movement is good enough and the way we're in, entering inside 50 is actually being considerate and, and trying to hit targets rather than what we've probably resorted to in the past. So... Um, a big mm. tip for truck. Um, I did have a, a couple of others. If we if well, just on track, bookmark for one second before yep. you go to your others. I I feel like 
Um, yeah, definitely. There's something either in, you know, his coaching style or the way that he's building the culture, but you feel like, you know, the last few years, it's almost felt like you've seen them on the field looking a bit directionless and, you know, things will be going wrong and they'll just keep doing more of the same and not really adapting. Whereas this year you feel like there's a plan and possibly they're um, sticking to the plan or they know what the plan is and then are able to adapt as needed. Yeah. Well, I think we've got a um, just, I mean, just, just watching the, the celebration um, and they also said this on the Sash podcast as well, so credit to them. But I, I, I thought the same, that the way these guys actually get around each other. Mm. Um, I don't feel like we've seen that for a long time. Yeah, I do feel it is a little bit different. I, I do feel there is something a little bit different. Um, it's funny, I was sitting next to someone in, in general admin um, and he just randomly asked me, hey, what, what do you think about the three guys leaving? I think it was during the second quarter. I just said pretty much like if you if you don't want to be here, you know, there's the door. And I'm, I'm as much as it hurts short term to lose that amount of um, quality. If guys don't want to be at your footy club, what are you hanging them on to them for? Like let them mm. let them go and, and show the door. So, Agree, hundred percent. Um, and I think we are seeing a bit of, of the fruits of that with with the way that um, you know these boys are getting getting around each other and and the way they seem to be um, meshing together as a as one crop, which we did. Um, identify in in earlier um, earlier episodes that you know there's a good bunch of that group is pretty similar in age and, and at similar stages in their career um, that there is that sort of mesh of okay we are sort of one and at the same stage and we can go on and do this all the way together mm. over a number of years so yeah um, and it's kind of I get the same sense around the group that we had when Hurdy was coaching like I th- I think. Hurdy really galvanised the group and got them wanting to play for the jumper and wanting to play for each other. And I'm getting that impression, even in losses, that that the connections between the group are quite strong. Um, and I mean, we talked about this on one of our very first episodes about that connection to Windy Hill and um, that lack of um, connection to the old Essendon and that sort of thing that the truck really over pre-season started to address and I'm not sure if they're still training at Windy Hill once a week or what what the go with that is um, but certainly the jumper presentation that they had bringing the old players in all of that seems to be pointing in the direction that uh, he he has a good handle on on getting a change in culture and getting the mood around the ro- the room and the um and the club right definitely yeah yeah well I, think, I mean you look at any successful club of the last, well, really anywhere in, in any sport and, and what teams that have been successful for a prolonged period of time are able to do is that when players come in, um, they play for something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look at Barcelona, um, Real Madrid. Um, I'm sure, you know, the Lakers in the NBA. Um, trying to, You know, if an AFL example, Richmond of the past sort of, Four years, it's been about being bigger than yourself. Um, yeah, so same with Hawthorne, same with Geelong in their era. Yeah, Brisbane. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a common theme that you need to be um, playing for beyond just your, your teammates as well, but also who you're representing every, every week when you when you go out and and, and do something as tribal uh, mm. as sport. Um, 
I, if, if I can move on, I, I really thought another like was our was our pressure. Twenty one uh, tackles inside fifty, Maddie. That's that's massive. That's uh, yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, we're such a um, a young side. Too. I mean, that that obviously sets the uh, the the, the precedence for, for your defensive aspect of the game. But I, I thought that was what brought. I mean, obviously Collingwood got off to a hot start and and kicked three in a row, and I sort of thought, oh boy, <laughs> it'll be a long day here. But um, to our credit, you know, it was pressure that got us back in the game, and, and it was pressure that probably kept us on top. So. Uh, I thought that was fantastic, and it was what sort of set the foundation for everything to be built upon um, for the for the rest of the day. Like you know, you, you, the causing of the turnovers, the you know making. I mean, we, we made still Soderbottom, who is one of the you know slickiest players um, in the comp, and and made him look average at times, um, just with the way he was forced to use the footy. Even uh, Alpenas was was pretty clean with it, but. They really couldn't get out and do the things that they wanted to do due to our pressure. So full credit mm. there. Mm. Um, so well, my um, one of my dislikes was was the once again the slow start. We had similar starts against Port and Brisbane, and um, that really could have potentially cost us the game. Ad- admittedly, I was pleased with the way that we fought back and ended up winning the first quarter, but there's been that's sort of the fourth occasion now where we've let a team kick multiple goals before we've even woken up and gotten into the contest at all. Um, it's just Collingwood a trash and we're able to fight our way back into the game. But I'm, that's a concern for me is that the first bounce is happening and we seem to be not switched on. Yeah. Um, I, I'm Part of me thinks that is that just a, a standard feature of a, a young side? And and I'm, I'm you know I think I've said this in previous. I'm really glad that the club club have come out and said we're not going to use our youth as an excuse. I was really happy um, to hear that. But I, I wonder if that is just a, a pretty standard feature of a young side. Is it typically it does take you um, you know ten minutes to get going and, and get yourself into the game. Um, Having said that, I don't think they were overly uh, experienced either through the guts. I mean, obviously Pendles and, and Steel Side, but I'm rolling through there. But I think it was actually Josh Dacos who, who won some of the first clearances out of there. Yeah, he got so, the first two. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, oh, yeah, obviously a dislike. I think a dislike for all. But a, a full credit to the way we, we drew back. But again, yeah, you're right. Against a good side, um, that costs you big. So, mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a dislike on a day when most things went really well, and it, again, like in our in our other win against St Kilda, it was a pretty complete performance, to be honest. Yeah, I, I thought so. Um, I mean, they were always they were they were coming and, and they were hungry for it, um, and, and I, I think that slow start seemed to be a bit of a trend across all four quarters. Mm. Um, which yeah is is disappointing, but you also don't know are they coming out at each break? I mean, they're they're sort of um, well, their seasons almost slipped away from them. Um, mm. So you know, are they coming out of the break uh, red hot, just ready to go, win the first clearance, and then sort of once the game settles a bit, they they run out of steam. Um, was it was it a scenario of that? It's uh, possible. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. possible. But then again, you, I mean, you have to be good enough to. Withhold that, and uh, like you said, good sides will will punish us there, and they have in the past. So, 
Um, mm. Yeah, certainly a dislike. I, I was going to add one other like. Go mm. for it. Um, Mr. Well, I mean, was this the first time you've seen Aaron Francis and uh, Andrew Phillips in the same side? Well, it's interesting because Phillips uh, and Francis, watching the replay, were never in the same shot. And I certainly didn't ever see them standing next to each other. And it just seems a little bit suspicious that Francis is named in the team, but suddenly has to be subbed out early in the game. So... Did they play in the same side or were they in fact the same person swapping their jumper every time they went to the bench? I guess we'll never know, hey? We'll never know. We'll never know. Um, but, well, and... My like from the AFL website, though, was talking about Phillips coming in and posting a picture of Francis. <laughs> Did they actually do that? That's legitimate, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't read about it. There you I would go. not read about I'm it. I'm going to put that up on our Insta page. Yeah. Those, I think yeah. the Sash. No, the lunchtime catch-up podcast. They um they posted that screenshot. It's oh, very that's funny. That's huge. That's that's funny. Gosh, someone um, needs to um needs an education in their marketing department. Yeah. Well, I think I mean he he came off uh, pretty sore there, and by the end of the game, they said he was all right because he'd been running around in the ruck for for the the other three quarters. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. We just needed him in the ruck. I thought Laverty could handle the um the defense and put him in the ruck. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, but and on a serious note, um, a, a big like was Flip. I thought he uh, handled Grundy pretty well. Um, mm. I, I thought Grundy Francis was... was really good early as well. By the way, in the first, I oh, was quarter. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. really, he's really, in, really good. He's form. in good form. Um, uh, and the word and, on the street is he he might be able to play this week, so that would be a really big plus. And you know, perhaps we're due some injury luck because every time someone seems to go down with an ankle, it seems to be a twelve-week syndesmosis. And if mm. we can get one back in a week, that'd be great news for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although, yeah, with Ridley coming uh, back, it's not you know if he has to miss a week and that's better for him long term. I'm not overly concerned with that being a decision that's made. Mm. Um, but I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think they, they were the, uh, the, yeah, like you said, it was likes all over the ground. Um, mm-hmm. I like the fact, you know, Stringer, although didn't have a big impact uh, on the game in terms of kicked a, a big snags or, um, you know, looked really dangerous, he managed to stay involved in it. It still felt like he was things. everywhere, even though he didn't have a big impact on the scoreboard. He was really crucial in a lot of our clearances, particularly center clearances. Yeah. And especially when the chips were down um, early in the first, they chucked Stringer in and he, he really had an impact. So he, kind of one of those performances where he only gets, you know, a handful of possessions, but each one of them is really impactful. Yeah, 100%. And that was my point. And, and I, they, again, they discuss this on the Sash podcast, so we're maybe still in their thunder a bit. But um, I, I thought, you know, like at times... Yeah, you're exactly right. There, there, and if you look on the highlights as well, there were times where he won a handball, you know, and he's got two blokes hanging off him and, and gives a handball out. And, um, you know, you only get the one handball stat for that, but that, that is so important. I mean, that's, you know, for most other players in the comp, um, that's not a one clearance. That's, a you know, then the ball up or perhaps even a turnover. So yeah, um, for him to stay involved in a game where he's not kicking goals or not looking overly dangerous is, is massive as well. So Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's yeah. got one... to that point that we, we spoke about a few episodes back of where, you know, his performance is often 
like the barometer for how Essendon is going. So even though, yeah, there weren't a lot of goals, he did have a lot of impact and mm. Essendon had a great day. Yeah. Mm. Well, if it's not him popping up for goals, it's it's Tipper, it's Hooker. or yeah, it's making space for someone else. Yeah, um, yeah exactly right. Um, and then just the last one, I thought Braden Ham uh, was, was fantastic as well. Um, mm. Probably, he, he, I think he's going to fly under the radar for a lot of teams. Um, mm. But he just seems to pop up at the right spot. So, um, Hasn't he just become a sneaky best 22 player? Like, with just no fuss, just turns up, you can put him on the wing and he just does his job. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I'm not overly surprised. I mean, you know, the kid we saw come on the scene two years ago, um, you know, I mean, very undersized. Um, but I, I do, I think he debuted against North Melbourne and he, he showed class mm. uh, in terms of his skill level and obviously his running ability was has been spoken about a lot so I'm not surprised that he's come along the way he has because he mm. you know the kicking and and running ability are probably as a, as a midfielder or someone of his stature I mean that's they're the two most important things and he had that from a from a long from the get-go from mm. the get-go so I'm not surprised that he's he's sort of piecing things together. Um, the way mm. he has. So and you can full, full see um, looking at his physique that he's also obviously spent a lot of time in the off-season building a bit of bulk and absolutely, um, yeah, getting some size to help along the way. So he's a great mm. player. Throwing a bit of tin, as we like to call it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, oh, I've been really impressed with him. I don't know that I've ever called it throwing a bit of tin. I've never heard that ever. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure you just made mind. that one up. No, no. <laughs> I mean, Matthew is in the industry, so he would know. Yeah, bruh. Fuck him. You fucking. <laughs> I, no, wish, I wish this wasn't um, only audio and there was a visual right then. Um, but yeah. sadly, the listeners, the one listener, um, is going to miss out on that one. Mm. So, so one more like before we move on. Uh, just a little one. Harry Jones's last quarter. He um what I and what I like about this was he said a pretty quiet couple of weeks and really did not really get near it for three quarters, but it shows that he just didn't stop trying, didn't stop getting to the right spots, didn't stop putting the effort in on the body pressure and um and that last quarter he took some really crucial marks, set up um that really important goal from two leader Peter. Uh, I think his Peter. last quarter was really quite good and, and perhaps can give him a little bit of confidence going forward. But I was really happy with his last quarter. Yeah, and I get, again, I'm going to steal some some thunder again. But I was <laughs> I was thinking these exact same thoughts when I was listening to the podcast. Um, Maddie, we on, have on our the, own thoughts here. Come on, on, on the sash. No, you got to give credit where credit's due. Um, we're at a bit of a crossroads with him as to whether he. I mean, it, we don't have many uh, players in uh, the twos who can come straight in an AFL ready or are more AFL ready than, than he is. Um, but given he's had a couple of quiet weeks, um, do you sort of say to him, okay, look, not that he, he, he's not good enough for AFL level, but. Is it better for his development that he goes back to the VFL, starts clunking marks, starts kicking goals, gets that confidence back, gets a bit of mojo back, or do you just keep grinding him away with the you know in the AFL and, and sort of go well, 
you know, every every game that he does go a bit quiet, and I think the cat has just. He's just the cat has just gone nuts, knocked over. It's only a food bowl. It's all right. That's all right. Um, I mean, yeah. Do you do you let him go back to the VFL and say, all right, mate, you know, get on the end of a few, kick a few snags. Um, certainly don't drop your head because it's not, you know, you're far beyond uh, where we thought you'd be. Um, but you know, sort of go back, get that confidence. Or do you just say, you know what, every week that you do sort of get beaten, you you learn so much. So do we keep him in the side or do we? Then you go back and build some confidence. I think that's a yeah, good question, um, particularly for the development coach, where they think he's at, where they think um, he's going to get the best out of. I I think playing at AFL level is always better than playing in the seconds, but you you know it's it's a question for people more closely aligned to the football club than us. That yeah, you know if you could guarantee that he goes back to the twos and takes twelve marks and kicks five goals, then I think that sort of performance is always good. But also, just persisting at AFL level is not going to do him any harm either. And we saw that, you know, in in a small way during the game. He kept doing the right things, kept working hard, and ended up getting rewarded with a really good last quarter. Yeah, and 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 um, you know, I think Colin would have done a pretty good job of of well across the ground. They um, shut down our tools except for uh, two meter leader Peter um, in in the in the second half. So. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, to the fact that he was able to come out in the fourth quarter probably shows that he showed some um, persistence and, and that he was figuring it out mm. um, in terms of what he's going to do. So, yeah, it's a tough one. Um, also got to think of, of longevity as well. I, I can imagine it's pretty tough to back up an AFL game uh, seven weeks in a row in, on a young uh, sort of 20-year-old body uh, playing against... Uh, not just men, but uh, you know, hundred kilo blokes, ninety hundred kilo blokes. So, mm. um, yeah, I th- he'll definitely get a rest at some point this year. That that's for sure. And maybe he's due, uh, maybe he's not. You know, but um, certainly, like I said, it it is a question. He certainly hasn't been playing with the form that would warrant selection in in the best twenty two. If he wasn't given a free ride because he's developing, right? Like, we all know that, but that's the type of year that we're willing to have, is to have a development year. So I guess we've got a way up. Is more games in the ones going to develop him better than a couple games in the twos? Because I don't think that um, he should then languish in the twos for the rest of the year. Oh, I'm not saying he'd have it uh, for the rest of the year, but um, I'm just, yeah, is it, is it best for his development? He, okay, come up to AFL level, I've learned some stuff. Yeah, can I go back to the twos and, and, and genuinely beat worse opponents, get some confidence back, and then I can't have another crack at it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. It's, yeah. So, I mean, they don't pay us the big bucks. So we just run a uh, free-to-air podcast. Um, yeah, that's This right. is probably why, because we don't have to make those decisions. So. Everyone's got to start right. somewhere, Maddie. Absolutely. We're Absolutely. the Harry Jones of podcasting that's right it. now. exactly right. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, so why don't I- we... Um, Unless you got some more, you got another like. Oh, I, I, I haven't had a dislike, but I, I'm not sure I, I really have one. Um, I have a dislike, Collingwood. <laughs> Fair enough, too. And that really was atrocious as yeah. well. Like, what was that? Like, I get that the whole Rosemary is like part of the remembrance thing, but it just looked awful. That was my. They dislike. just saw our poppies and wanted to copy it with a some kind of plant, and whoever designed it is just a enough enough. Yeah, it was gross. Yeah. I, 
I was concerned about the the the, the clash sort of. There was um, no clash. No, actually, They're making a big deal. Of I it. did actually say at one point during the game. You probably weren't listening to me, but that's nothing new. But at one point, I actually was finding it quite hard to tell the difference between the two, and I think it was because theirs is so that was so much darker than their usual just black and white stripe. Do you know how I could tell the difference? Ours had a red sash, and we had white shorts on. When it was fast and across the other side of the ground, um, you know, I don't know, Maddie, yeah. did you think there was a bit of a clash? Uh, no, I, I didn't think so. Um, but I, I could see where you might, where that might be considered. But white shorts, red sash. Uh, mm. I mean, they, they kicked it to us a few times, so maybe. But um, mm. yeah, no, my only um, my only dislike was the fact they they kicked um, very minimal behinds for the game. So. Uh, is that sort of an indication of the of the shots we were giving up? And that like, when they did score, they got good shots on goal. And, and is that a sign that when we are getting beaten, we're we're getting opened right up? Sure, we got opened right up less than than what we were able to score. Um, but against a good side, does that you know is that able to happen more often? And and if you're giving sides good shots, they they will kick scores like that against us. So. Mm. Um, Having said that, what was the um, what was their final tally? Let's have a look. It was thirteen seven. Thirteen seven. So you're giving what 20, 20 shots on goal for the whole game, and with a team a little bit less accurate, like and not even significantly less accurate, you're probably what they're scoring 70, 60 maybe with twenty scoring shots. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you, you can give up 20 scoring shots, but there's a difference between, you know, giving up uh, 20 good or good quality shots on goal versus, yeah. you know, giving up 20 shots from the boundary or... Yeah, I agree, I agree. ...from the corner and stuff like that, like, you know. So. Yeah, but with 20 scoring shots, I, I guess the, the point I was trying to make with 20 scoring shots, um, that's not a whole lot to give away in a full game of footy. If So... So the times when our defence kind of falls away, um, yeah, they might get good quality shots, but um, I mean they kicked exceptionally well, especially for the first three quarters. Um, that you know I'm not too fussed about that. Twenty twenty scoring shots it could say that our defence is actually quite solid from a team point of view, um, and although they're getting some good shots, they're still not getting a whole big number of shots. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, but, yeah, it's a two-sided coin there, isn't it? But yeah, but I do, I do understand what you're saying. But yeah. the other thing to consider is they got a couple of cheapies from from dodgy freeze and from dodgy fifties <laughs> as well. Would it be an episode if you didn't bring up something like that about the umpiring? No, I thought the umpiring for the most part was pretty unnoticeable. Um, I thought it was pretty, pretty solid. There's a couple. They were consistent, I, I thought. Uh, we yeah. probably got away with one in, in Tipper, but good to have one. What are you talking about? Our way. <laughs> oh, that yeah. was in by a mile. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. The whole ball has to be out. It was yeah. in by a sliver. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and also, anyway. at the pace it was going, where's the boundary umpire looking, you know, like... Oh, it was, oh, it was hard. It, yeah, I, I don't I don't think... Um, yeah, I don't think it was an intentional uh, miss. And and, and that, you, you watch the, the actual run. Uh, yeah, we've got camera angles. But you watch the actual run at pace, and it is happening so fast. Mm. So yeah. fast. So, Especially when um, you're Waller. Like, he is lightning speed. 
Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, difficult one, uh, but happy it fell out way. So, mm, anyway, definitely. should we go to that break and then... Yeah, we'll, we'll have a bit of a break and then when we come back, we'll have a chat about uh, the next big rival in uh, a few days' time. At first I was afraid, I was petrified. I kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then I spent so many nights just thinking how you'd done me wrong. I grew strong. I learned how to get along. And so you're back from outer space. I just walked in to find you here without that. So, before the break, we were having a really good discussion about Anzac Day game, but of course it's time to look forward to the next traditional rival, Sunday 3.20 at the G against the Blue Baggers. It's going to be another big game. Yeah, I mean, how, how could that be? I, I can't remember the last time we knocked over Carlton and Collingwood in, in one year. So um, It's been a while. Yeah, I think it would be uh, very. It would be funny next week if we're s- sitting here saying uh, <laughs> same old thing that we get so pumped up after a big win against a, a pretty average side in Collingwood and then uh, fail to show against uh, Carlton, who are also uh, out to prove a point. So look, there is every um, chance that that's going to happen, Maddie. Let's be real. We're going to go in so excited and like I would say, there's a very large chance we'll be disappointed. Well, this next four weeks is actually really probably the most important four weeks from the development point of view for our football club for the whole season. The um, We've got Carlton, GWS, the Dockers and North Melbourne over the next four weeks. And you would think that if, if the development of consistency a repeatable game style, all the stuff that was spoken about in, in pre-season, dependability, you would think that we would go very close to four and zip over the next four weeks. And certainly, for me, from a development point of view, the first tick was was winning Anzac Day. I think that was really important for our club to get a big win on the big stage. Absolutely. So that mm-hmm. that's a tick. And then I think anything less than three and one for mine over the next three weeks shows that we're probably a little bit further back in our development than I would be hoping to this stage. Yeah, uh, look, um, I, you know, like I, said, I think I said this to you um, after the game when we are discussing this, but it's going to depend on what Essendon shows up on the day of the next four weeks and... Mm. Uh, wh- who we actually come up against um, in the next four weeks? Because I dare say those four sides are in a similar position to us, and that you don't really know what you're going to get when you when you play those sides. Um, well, that 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 is essentially my point: is that for years and years and years we haven't known what Essendon's going to turn up each week, and I think the next four weeks gives us a really good opportunity to see, or Rutten a really good opportunity to be like, no. This is our goal. We want a dependable Essendon. We want to know what we're getting every week. And I think we'll we'll see whether that is the truth or not. Okay, maybe not. We don't need to win every game, but we need to... Certainly, you can be beaten on the day by, the, by a better opposition, but we need a consistent game style. We need this pressure to be turning up every week. We need to have consistency through the midfield. We need to be generating shots. Do you know what I mean? It needs to be a really good four weeks where we're right into the games up to our eyeballs 
um, and no lapses. That's for me um, a, a a must do over the next four weeks. Well, I feel like you know this year you, we even last year we would have an Essendon where like one week they would turn up, the next week would be woeful, and already we're seeing that there is a lot more consistency this year. I think there's maybe what been a, a couple of games where they just haven't shown up at all, but for the most part you're starting to see that. So. You can be confident, I think, over the next four weeks that at least they're going to show up. And whether they win or not, it'll be a good test. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I respectfully disagree. I think we we showed up for th- you know for a half against Hawthorne, then weren't even there against Port Adelaide. Then had two good performances, um, one against Sydney and and then one against a woeful St Kilda or vice versa, the other way around, um, and then didn't show up against Brisbane. Um, oh, and then I we've disagree had a good... about Brisbane. We spoke about that mm. last week. Like, other than the first quarter where the rain was horrific, they they had an okay three quarters. Mm. And then, you know, obviously, um, but still, that first quarter were just not in the game at all. Um, and just smashed by a, a more skillful team and then um, a good performance against Collingwood. So that's what I mean. I, I want to see consistency over the next four weeks. I don't want to be turning up each week and being like, which Essendon's going to turn up? I, I think it's time that... Um, and, and they've been working towards it, absolutely. And you can see that everything that's coming out of the club, but I think this will really show us over the next four weeks that whether that is starting to come to fruition or not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be the nature of a young side, is it? Like, what, what are we going to get in the day? But, um, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with both. That, uh, sorry, probably more so with... Um, in games where we're in with a chance, we, we've shown up. But then against a, you know, a, top, a contender, we've been blown right out of the water, which is probably what you expect. Probably in scenarios of, of you know, boys versus, versus men. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's been sort of boys versus boys, We've been riding, riding with it, and/or you know, blown it out of the water. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think it's hard to. Say. It's, I mean, Carlton are in a weird predicament where they've probably got a little bit more seniority on the list, in that you know they're now looking to, well, supposedly pushing for finals, mm. um, but probably sit in a boat that that we were a couple of years ago, and that. Uh, something just wasn't clicking and we, we weren't uh, converting on games or having a game style that was good enough to put us in contention for finals. So, Well, there's two problems with Carlton, right? Is they overrated their list just like we did in 2017 um, and then they've gone for the top up of talent. They've, they've paid too much for a player of Zach Williams' calibre. Um, he's just not worth the money that they're paying him. And um, as we were saying when Saad left, I don't know that that going for that running half back at a premium price is really where you want to be spending your money as a football club, um, bringing those players in and giving away your early picks. Like that pick that they gave us for Saad ends up being Zach Reed, who um, is taking up way less room in the cap right now Um and, you know, you're going to get a lot more years out of him if you can have a culture that he wants to stay at. Then, yeah, I think they, they went too early with the topping up of their list and, and adding some experience and some pace. Um, and their third big issue, 
I think, with Carlton is that they have a terrible coach. They he just and you can see they've they've brought in Wusher to to try and give him some support, but he just gets out coached consistently on a on a very, very consistent basis and that is costing them games as well. Uh, yeah, uh, look, I, I'm not... Um, I think the support around Teague is... And this isn't the Carlton podcast, but I, I think the support around Teague is understated in terms of the lack of experience and uh, lack of experience in a winning culture or even just games coached. Mm. Um, and so... It's almost the blind leading the blind there. Um, whereas, you know, you look at someone like Dimmer, who in 2017 uh, changed, or end of 2016, changed his whole coaching panel, got a lot of experience around him, um, and, and has some very good assistant, or had some very good assistant coaches. Um, and, and, you know, we all know the results. Alistair Clarkson um, in, in a similar predicament. Um, although maybe at the time, uh, the, the coaches he had around him uh, hadn't built their names yet, but went on to you know either coach um, coach another team to a flag, or or you know at, at some stage uh, further on uh, ended up being a head coach somewhere else. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't think Teague's got that sort of um, support around him where he can actually bounce ideas off and 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 be challenged and say no, this is actually probably a better way to go. It's it's uh, the blind leading the blind there, but I'm you know waffling on about Carlton, and that's not uh, that's not what the, we're here to what talk the fans about. Want to hear about? So so let's talk about ins and outs. Um, for mine, I think I'm I'm a bit worried about Harry Mackay. Um, so I think certainly Ridley comes in. Uh, likely that he he comes in straight in for Francis because you know I think it's probably a good idea to give Francis a week off with his ankle. Um, if Francis is past fit, looking at their forward line, I think Ridley probably comes in for Zerk, um, even though Harry is a big boy, and I, I wouldn't mind giving Zerk another game against a similar-sized opponent. Um, otherwise, we drop a small, someone like um, like a, a Guelphy, a Zaharakis, someone like that. That um, you know that that is playing small, um, but I think Ridley's definitely 100% in. Um, in the event that I don't think we can drop Peter right now, I think he's found some form. So in the event that wow, that turnaround. Make... Yeah, well, I just think it's you know on previous performances, yes, but but I think his last quarter and a half were good enough that um, I think we can stretch there. Defense. If we've got Peter Wright, Hooker, um, and then for me, I would bring in um, probably an Ambrose for Harry Jones to play a similar role. He's got a similar engine. Or um, you play him as a shutdown forward on Liam Jones um, and just get him to follow him around, stop his intercept marking in the forward line. Um, but I think they're probably the only changes that I make. So certainly Ridley comes in. And then if we want to give Harry Jones a rest, I think given that Ambrose has now played two or three games in the VFL and had a really good game on the weekend, um, I wouldn't mind seeing him come in as that third tall running player that um, Jones' role 
the, the role that Jones has been filling, essentially. Yeah, I, I think um, what Peter Wright, his best footy is going to come when he's a forward ruck, not when he's a permanent ruck. And I, mm. I, I think that's clear. Mm. Um, he seems a so, little bit yeah. more confident in the forward line, doesn't he? Like a bit more well, yeah, I mean, that's his position. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I mean, it's such a footy thing um, that we jump to this conclusion that because someone's big, they can play ruck. Um, and it's just not the case, or that someone's you know can play ruck, they can play forward. It's just mm. just not the case. Um, they are two different crafts, and the ruck craft in and of itself is its own craft. Like it's not just something big blokes can do. There is a genuine um, skill and 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 you know a whole tactical technical side of it mm. um, that goes beyond just being big. So certainly can pinch well, it. But let me throw this one at you then. Um, assuming we drop Harry Jones, which I don't think is, is, is a certainty to happen, but assuming we drop Harry Jones, why don't we bring in um, Nick Bryan? And what that allows is because we know that Phillips can play forward, um, certainly for stints of the game. So you're stretching their defense with, with Hooker, Peter Wright and um, Phillips, as long as the forward pressure doesn't drop from that regard. And then Nick, Nick Bryan has been dominating the VFL all the way through, back through practice games. So Peter Wright plays 100% time in the forward line. You have Nick Bryan and Phillips rucking, you know, for whatever they think the appropriate split is. Probably more 70-30 Bryan in the ruck, Phillips forward. Um, and then that gives us, you know, the ability to stretch them with a tall forward line and also stop Peter Wright from going into the ruck. Uh, so, sorry, you, you would play Nick Bryan 70% in the ruck? Yeah, he's been killing it in the ruck in the twos. Yeah, nah, I... Nah. <laughs> you wouldn't bring him in? You haven't been watching the twos? He uh, has no, a- no, I've, I've seen that, but I, I don't think... Um, I, I think... You don't think he could handle Mark Pitney? Oh, we'll just, we'll just have Pitney's physicality. I think he would... Um, beat around Nick, Nick Bryan a little bit, yeah. Um, particularly around the ground, maybe we get him at the center bounds with with a sort of a jump. Um, mm. but uh, you know, you saw someone like Tim English. It's one thing to play well in the twos, but to come up to AFL level as a ruckman um, is is a bit of a different story. So I don't know. I'd play him seventy percent of the ruck. Um, and I don't well, think... you could swap that around, right? You could do seventy percent Phillips in the ruck if if Bryan has the craft to play forward. Potentially, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's probably the way. If I was going to do that, it's probably more what I would go. But I don't know um, Nick Bryan's forward capability. So, um, not I, do look, I. I? I'm certainly. I wasn't. Um, I'm okay with uh, right rucking as a you know pinch hitting. I'm. I was. Mm. I was fine with that. I'm just saying he doesn't when he has to do the bulk of the ruck work. That's when he runs into a bit of trouble. Yeah, I agree with um, you. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see your point. Absolutely. Yeah, um, provided that he's actually given us an option up forward. But if he's not doing that, well, uh, you know, we all know what you what you uh, think about think about that. So, I mean, you know, we saw it for a half on the weekend as well. So I, I don't. He's you know, hopefully it was just a, a turning point for his confidence. We've got to remember he didn't play at all last year. Yeah. Um, and you know, like there was no VFL last, so it wasn't like he was getting actual games of. Uh, football and, under his belt. Um, and to his credit, I mean, watching watching the replay again, even when 
his skills were deplorable and he wasn't getting to the right spot in the marking contest, he was still using physicality. Like, and so essentially for me, what that means, he was still trying. It's, he wasn't having a kind of performance where he wasn't putting in effort. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it, it wasn't clicking for him. Um, and so I think kicking those couple of crucial goals and, and really taking some grabs, giving him a bit of confidence. Hopefully we see a, a complete performance from him this week. Um, you know, as much as he's he's the whipping boy of our podcast, you know, nothing would make me happier. Like, I, I love that goal to kick from the boundary line that seals the game. He still plays for Essendon. I still want him to succeed. I'd be much happier with, with Peter Wright dominating games than not. Same with Tom Cutler, right? I'd rather him having 30 possessions, kicking five goals, than him being terrible. Um, but we just haven't seen any evidence of it um, thus far. Yeah, well, speaking of, uh, he's had a couple of big games in the VFL as well, Mr. Mr. Cutler, so... Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, Ridley definitely comes in. Whether it's for Francis or for Zerk, I'm not too sure. Um, mm. But I, I mean, we have said in the past, this is where Francis does tend to get beaten when he has to play on absolute monsters. Yeah. Um, which Harry Mackay is. So I'm, I, sure. I'm a bit worried about Mackay. I think you have um, Laverde to play on McGovern. I think they're. I think Laverde's actually a better athlete than McGovern and oh, similar he'll, he'll size. Bath, yeah. yeah um, but Mackay's is the worry for me. And that's why I think we want to keep Zerk in the team because he is that height and he is a bit more physical. Um, yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. Francis gets... He struggles when he's on players that are 10 centimetres taller than him, which, you know, I think is understandable. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and this isn't, you know, this is a a player who has marked himself as a, an elite forward of the comp, not just a, you know, a big bloke running around for Carlton. This is a guy who can seriously play and has been showing that so far. So, um, yeah, I think it would be a massive ask of Francis to play big on Mackay. And I, I don't know if Ridley would get the job. Um, I wouldn't mind Zach Reed getting the job on him. Yeah. I, I mean, he was obviously, um, unlucky with, with illness. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. You can go two ways because um, he's strong, Mackay. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. But like in terms of playing youth on, uh, you know, a ready-made superstar, like yeah, we do heaps mm. for him. Um, but does it have implications for the team that we get beat because uh, you know Mackay kicks six on Reed, and you know where the rest of the team needed him to stand up a bit, and he couldn't because it was his second game against the one of the premier mm. forwards in the comp. I don't think Harry Mackay's a superstar yet. I think he's had a couple of good games and he's certainly getting big enough and fit enough, but I wouldn't... He's not a Tom Hawkins. He's he's, he's not I, there yet. He's no, on the way there, but he's not there yet. No, no, but, but, but I mean, to be on the way there, still, uh, you know, light is ahead of where Zach Reed is at at the moment. So, mm. um, yeah, I... I, I don't and I, I think Zerk um, does he do enough? Yeah, I, I think he's been solid in, in what he's he's just that that glove shutdown defender which I think he's done every time he, he probably does. Um, I don't think he'll have been all Australian caliber defender whereas Zachary might. But no, um, I think I think Zerk's still developing. I think we've forgotten that this is Zerk's like fourth year. 
And only last year, he was the new kid on the block against Fremantle. Mm. And he was starting to put some good performances in. I think people are are being a little bit too harsh on Zerk. He's definitely still a developing defender. He he could be anything. Um, and certainly his, he was talked about very highly when he first stepped into the club playing in the VFL. So um, he's certainly it's not like Hurley's coming back in. He's still a guy that's played less than 30 games. I yeah. just think physically he's a better ma- matchup for Mackay because he's a bit taller and a bit stronger. Um, but there's no question that he still has... Lots of improvement left in him. Absolutely. Oh yeah. So, and I was probably, I'm probably a bit, um, a bit harsh on that. But like, does does he deserve to, to lose his spot for a you know a developing Zach Reed? Mm, I don't know. No, I'd, I don't think so. I'd, I'd rather Zerk, who's a bit stronger, um, play on Mackay. Um, but as we saw evidenced a couple of weeks ago when they did bring Reed in. Um, I don't think Zerk has been given the license that, say, Harry Jones has been given, where you're just going to play the next six games and develop. He, he seems to be playing, getting dropped, playing, getting dropped, um, and only coming in if someone's injured or, or something like that. I think it's so hard I'm to not find sure... a rhythm when that's the case, too. That's right. That's right. So I'm not sure what, what the thought process with Zerk is. Um, for mine, I think he's a developing player. He's not a, he's not a James Stewart that um, is you know, a seasoned player now and you expect consistent performances from. So I'm not sure why he seems to be getting dropped every other week, even if he does have, you know, a subpar game. Mm. He's still very young. So I think he Mm. definitely needs a chance to develop and build some confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so where do we, um, where do we win this game? Obviously, um, Defence is going to be a big one for us and uh, not letting Mackay, you know, or get let them get it in to Mackay, um, given there mm. could be a, a genuine mismatch there. Um, he's, mm. You know, he's second in the Coleman right now. Obviously, he's kept a couple of big bags, but um, for a team that's won two games, uh, I think that's, yeah. that's yeah, fairly impressive. Um, mm. The midfield battle is going to be an interesting one. Uh, again, I think we bat a bit deeper, but they're obviously star power. Probably, if Darcy pulls out another game like It was that. before Sunday, but I think our star power. No, I'm being a bit <laughs> facetious. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, think that... Zach Merritt gone. had 32 as well, so we, <laughs> that's probably getting understated. He had a blinder as well, so... Mm. Yeah. Um, so I think I think the midfield is a lot more even than, than probably we would have thought of at the start of the year. I think Sam Walsh is the interesting matchup there. I think he's quietly going about a really good season. Um, so on, you know, how we handle that, I think will go a long way to determining who wins this game. I think our defense probably matches up pretty well with their forward line, um, with Casbolt, Mackay and McGovern as the sort of the three tools and then Fogarty, Betts, um, who's that other Jack Nunes? Is he the one that gets off the lead or Gibbons, they're, they're smaller types. So I think our defense matches up well with their forward line, but I think their defence probably beats our forward line. Did I say that? Did I just say the same thing twice? No. No, no, no. no you no. said our no, defence matches their forward line, their defence beats our forward line. I think so. I think they're, yeah, they're, um, their defence is probably a little bit, particularly around the talls. I mean, Jones, Wiedering, um, and whoever they play as the third tall, maybe it's Doherty, maybe it's Plowman. 
I think they're probably, probably a little bit better than our key forwards at the moment. Um, but our, I think our mediums and smalls probably have their their measure. Um, but yeah, I think, like we say almost every week, it's in the midfield. If we can get the clearances and, and get some get the ball going our way and have that forward pressure, I think we can we can get it done. Yeah, it'd be interesting because um, I mean another option we can go is is back to the Waterman um, sort of type mm. and, and and play a little bit smaller. Given Plowman is a little bit smaller, mm. um, and 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 try and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Geez, uh, I've gone absolutely blank. But try and uh, really utilize that matchup in terms of uh, we saw how much Plowman struggled against Dugowie. Um, you know, using perhaps you know a stringer or a waterman there, who's a similar build, um, mm. and, and and seeing if, if you know perhaps that's a matchup we can um, make the most out of. So, uh, mm. but you know, if, if Hooker can hold down Weedering and, and not let him get in, and take big marks or anything like that, and sort of hold him down, I'm, I'm happy with that. If, it, if it's a nil or a draw, there. Yeah. Um, Peter Wright's an interesting one. If he'll probably go to Jones, I would have thought, or maybe it's maybe it's Harry. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, that's why I think the midfield battle is going to be so important because if we can't get good delivery into our guys, um, like, you know, it's, it's same with any footy team. They their defenders are going to swallow that up and say thank you very much. Uh, mm-hmm. But if we can get good delivery in, um. It's anyone's game, really, which is, yeah, again, why the midfield battle is so important. I think you, you spoke about Sam Walsh as well. I'd love to see him and McGrath go head-to-head. Yeah, that'd be a good good matchup, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, like I said, we probably bat deeper. Um, mm. I think we've been able to handle those bigger bodies, um, with the, especially around the centre bounce, with, with the like of a... Um, Pardon me, uh, like Jake Stringer at, at the centre bounce there. So it'd be interesting to see if we continue with that and, and put him to Crips at the at the centre bounces. I hope so. I think that's a really good matchup, and I think he's Stringer's the kind of guy that just hates to lose, mm. um, and not necessarily from a team point of view, but from an ego point of view. He just he just likes to be the best. Um, and he, he hates losing a one-on-one battle. Even if the team's going poorly, you can tell that he just hates to be beaten one-on-one. And fair enough, too. Fair enough, too. That's that's why they pay the big bucks to play in the AFL. So, yeah, that's um, right. That's right. Yeah, but I think that, that really becomes important is a midfield battle. And I'd love to see uh, if, if, Tipper, if Saad goes to Tipper, mm. uh, what uh, Tipper can sort of continue his magical run there. I would love to see I don't think nothing, he does. nothing more than for Tipper to beat Saad on Sunday. I don't think I don't think Saad does go to Tipper. I don't think Saad likes playing the shutdown defender. Um, I think they'll probably, you know, chuck someone else on Tipper, someone who's going to be a pure stopper. They, I think they feel Saad is too much of a weapon going the other way, um, which is. Uh, you know, ties into what they recruited him for and, and the way that he plays. And, yeah, so I, I would expect to see... I don't know who their stopper is. Is, is Liam Stocker their, their small defender? Whoever whoever their kind of no-frills, doesn't need to get a possession player is, I think that will be the one that goes to Tipper. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think it's Stocker. I think he's been uh, sort of struggling to get in the side somehow. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, one thing that's underrated about Tipper is not just the fact that he 
kicks goals, but his forward pressure on the weekend was was phenomenal. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I think I, we probably um, we'll probably see Devin Smith go to side, either Devin Smith or maybe if he keeps his spot in the side, Zaharakis to play that defensive forward role. Maybe Snelling. Um, yeah, but one of those three, I think, ends up doing a kind of a tagging job on Tipper, on not on Tipper, on um, on Saad. But I don't think, you know, saying this before the game, watch him just tear us apart. But I don't think he's crucial for our win loss on the weekend. I think we're I'm more worried about um, Cripps, Walsh, and Mackay, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's a fair 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 comment. Um... Yeah, I, I I wonder if we will, you know, try and tag him. Uh, I mean, certainly if he gets off the chain, maybe we do put a defensive forward. But again, if we can win that midfield battle and, and get control of the footy, well, he's forced to defend. So, mm. uh, that, you know, I, 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 knowing what Truck's done in the past, I think that'll be the way he wants to go in terms of mm. no one's actually trying to win the footy first and force him to defend. Um, mm. And I think that's that's a that's a very logical way of going about the game, but um, yeah, yeah, it, it will be interesting. It'll be it'll be a good game, and, and if we can knock off uh, two old rivals, um, if only we had beaten Hawthorne. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. um, well, we get another shot at Hawthorne. Yeah, two out of three, and bad. We do get another shot. So, yeah. It'll be a long way till Sunday, but um, mm. uh, looking looking very forward to it. Mm, we've got good seats on Sunday too. We're on level two again. Are we back, are we? Yeah, so well, this is obviously it's at the G. Level two. Um, we're but we're sitting essentially right where Peter Wright kicked his fourth quarter goal from on level two. There oh, you go. Well, hopefully uh, lightning strikes twice in the same spot and uh, <laughs> two metre leader Peter. Uh, Two seater Peter, just clunking him. Yes. Oh, he, he might have a bit of a size advantage on on Jones. Then I think about it, if if he is the matchup. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And I'm I'm looking forward to team selection because you you know on form you probably don't change much, but you can't leave Ridley out if he's fit. No way. Mm. No, absolutely not. And I, I I don't know, despite the fact Francis might be right to go given his injury history history. Uh, with it, you do just give him the week and say, get yourself right. And be right to go for the next, uh, what have we got left? 20, 15 I think it's GWS games. after that. Mm. Yeah, so the next 15-odd games or something like that. So, um, yeah, no, it should be good. should be good. should definitely awesome. be good. Well, the, we do need to mention, as as told by our media manager, oh gosh, that... Uh, better not forget this again because we'll be in... What is it? Do, do you want to tell... Absolutely. The listeners, Laura? Um, yeah, give us a follow on um, either Spotify Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or both if you um, so choose. Um, and definitely leave us a five-star review as well and subscribe. We just want to get the Well, give out. us a five-star review if you feel we deserve a five-star review. I don't want any falsifying of data here. I'm happy for false data, um, whatever it takes, mate, whatever it takes. Yes, one listener. Um, please give us a five-star review. Ollie Adams, we're talking to you. We know you love the podcast. So, um, yeah, give us a five-star review. Yeah, and then we're also on Instagram at uh, the Don Father Pod. So, uh, mm. no, our stats have actually been all right. I know we're saying one listener, but we've, we've, had, we've had a few chime in. So, uh, no, very, we very much appreciate the listenership and uh, 
hopefully we are. Like you said, I'm, I'm all for give us only five star if we're worth it. So if we are worth it, click the five star button, subscribe. You get a little notification every time we upload. And uh, yeah, go bombers. Well, there we go. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll come back next week after we've uh, hopefully had a win against the Blue Baggers. Until then, go Dons. <laughs> <laughs>